Welcome to Faith and Family, a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. And now from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood, and welcome to Faith and Family. Thank you for joining us today as we continue our series on the Holy Spirit in Family Life. And our topic today is the ultimate goal of child training. You know, every business has a written business plan that specifies the major purpose and goals of the organization. Now, I'm not anti-business by any means, but your parenting is far more important than a business because what you do or don't do as a parent has repercussions for eternity. Businesses just deal in time. But if a business feels it's so important to have a written plan, a written purpose, a written goals to be achieved, well, let me ask you, as a parent, have you written down your primary goal? Uh, And do you have any type of plan for achieving that goal? Or do you just kind of take one problem at a time that pops up in parenting and family life. Today, I'd really like to look at the very big picture, that ultimate goal of child training. I'm going to suggest one to you, and uh, if you buy into it, I'm going to ask you to write it down. But let me ask, what, what should be the goal of child training, catechesis, and discipline? Um, There's a lot of things we can focus on. There's a lot of things we can do. But what's that primary goal that you want to achieve? What's first and most important, more than anything else? There is a book that I found very profitable by Stephen Covey entitled First Things First. What a great title. You know, I think Stephen Covey, who's kind of a life management, a life coaching type of skill, recognized that in life, people put things of secondary and even lesser importance, put them first in their lives. And people are trying to fit all types of things into what they do and live a very hectic life and don't seem to accomplish the very big things. So his emphasis in these life training seminars, I've been to some of uh, Covey's seminars, found them profitable, keeping first things first, he suggested that the primary life skill was this. The main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. Hmm, simple to say, hard to do. And at a Covey seminar, and many of you have probably been to one, They have a fairly large jar that they put out in front of all the attendees. And then they have quite a bit of rocks that they challenge the attendees to try to fit into the jar. Now, if you would just start grabbing the big pile of little rocks and putting them into the jar and kind of neglecting the big things, the main things, you'll never fit them in. But what they do through this visual illustration is that if you put the big rocks in first, in other words, in your life management, your life skills, your life planning, if you put the main things, the big things in first, the big rocks, 
Then you just put the little rocks in and they have a way of finding space for themselves as they trickle down through the spaces in the big rocks. And that's kind of what you want to do. And imagine with me for a minute as we're exploring the goal of your child training and discipline, catechesis, teaching the faith. Imagine that you only had six months to live. And imagine that you wanted to pick one main thing that you wanted to convey and teach to your child, that you had one big rock that you wanted to make sure had ample room in your child's heart. What would that be? You know, it's very important that we get this one right. Because a combination of the peer culture, the young adult social acceptance of the social revolution, and I'm talking about Christians and non-Christians have bit into it in huge numbers, and the dominating influence of the media over the minds and hearts of young Christians are having an unprecedented negative effect on Christian youth. They're falling into a lifestyle of mortal sin. And contrary to some popular teaching, falling into a lifestyle of mortal sin leads to a path that ultimately goes down into hell for all eternity. The stakes couldn't be higher here. And what we want to do as parents and grandparents is to spiritually form our children so that they don't grow to become a teen or a 20-year-old casualty to the culture, to the sexual revolution. And if you want to ensure that, you do this one thing. You choose your big rock carefully. And then once you choose it, you focus on it. You give it primacy. And yes, you're concerned about other things, but you don't become overly concerned or overstress about those things. So you might be listening to the broadcast and you're saying, okay, where, where do I find my big rock? Uh, what's the ultimate thing that I want to focus on as a Catholic parent? Gee, I've been sitting here wondering when you would ask, okay? You can find that big rock in four verses back in the Old Testament in a chapter written by Moses in Deuteronomy chapter 6. And very interesting that the big rock hasn't really changed between the Old and the New Testaments because Deuteronomy 6 has a particular section that the Jewish people regarded as the very core of their faith and prayer life. It was called the Shema, where Deuteronomy chapter 6, starting in verse 4, it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one God. And that Hebrew verb to hear is Shema. Hear, O Israel. In other words, pay attention to this. This is going to be the main thing. And what is that? Deuteronomy 6, 5. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul 
and with all your might. That's the main thing. That's the thing that should have primacy in catechesis. That's your big rock. And then he goes on to say in verse 6 of Deuteronomy 6, And these words which I command you this day shall be upon your heart. And verse 7, And you shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise. Now, three quick observations. First of all, Moses is saying to God's people, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. You know, it's, it's the deal here. It's one of the toughest things as a parent. If you want to convey and teach something, you start living it yourself. If you want to teach your kids to love God with all our hearts, souls, and minds, well, then you have to start doing that yourself. And then he says, and these things which I command you this day shall be upon your heart. You know, there's a type of teaching parents and catechists can, can do it that's just not right. It's like teaching about God, like you're teaching something about uh, the electrical current within a computer circuit board or something. Simply detached, a, a mental exercise that doesn't engage you and find penetration in your life and heart. This is, it's supposed to grab you. This is what is to be the core of your life, and it's to be upon your heart to really grab you. Then, verse 7, you shall teach them diligently to your children. Now, if we were living in a nice Christian culture, which we're not, if we had media that supported the beliefs and morals of home and church, which we do not, then you can neglect verse 7. In better days, you might have been able to neglect verse 7 and get away with it. But verse 7, Moses was teaching the children of Israel right before they went in to a pagan land where they were killing their own children offering them up in fire, burning them alive to their pagan gods. And so in this pagan environment, God knew that for the main thing to find a root in the children's hearts, it would have to be taught by parents and not subcontracted. Now, if you're listening to me, you may be sending your child to the finest Catholic college in the nation. You might be sending your child to the greatest parochial school in the universe, and that's wonderful, but that is secondary because the main thing is teaching them to love God, and the people who are best capable of doing that to oppose our degenerating culture are parents. You shall teach them diligently. This is God speaking to his people. This is God speaking to us. And you shall talk of them when you're in your home, when you're walking by the way, when you're riding in the minivan, when you lie down, when you rise. This is what you shall teach. And this is the essence of what you want to accomplish as a parent. I'm not trying to complicate this. This is four verses. Love God with everything you have, heart, soul, and mind. Let it grip you, these words. Let them be upon your heart and then teach them diligently to your children through the course of life. You do these things, this is what you would want to accomplish if you had six days 
six months or 60 years to be on this earth, this is the one thing you would want to get across because this is the ultimate goal of parenting as a Catholic. Now, you might say, well, this was some Old Testament stuff, Steve. Not really, because Jesus didn't come to destroy the law. He came to fulfill it, and, it, and he actually reiterated exactly what Moses taught. Uh, they came up to him, and it's recorded in Mark 12, 28, and asked Jesus, which commandment is first of all? In other words, Jesus, what's the main thing? What should we be focusing on? And Jesus answered, the first is, hear, O Israel, Shema, Israel, hear, the Lord our God is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Ah. <laughs> and then he says the second, you shall love your neighbors yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. This is the main thing. This is what you focus on. And Jesus simply quoted Deuteronomy 6 when asked, what's the main thing? Now, I dare say there's a lot of things we want to teach our children about the faith. And these need to fit into Stephen Covey's jar, so to speak, my illustration, his illustration. But in order for everything to fit, you don't want to crowd out with little rocks the big rocks, the main thing, and you want to keep it focused, and you want to keep it front and center. You're listening to Faith and Family. I'm your host, Steve Wood, and now I have some very, very, very important news. You can't do this. You cannot do this. You cannot by yourself, unaided by the Holy Spirit, live the Christian life. Israel, throughout the entire Old Testament, was exhibit A of the grand failure to faithfully love God. They continually wandered away from Yahweh into idolatry and immorality. Yes, they were rescued. Yes, they had a revival and am back to their old ways. Now, here's something that I've tried to state in this series on the Holy Spirit for families. And I know this is a little tough, but I'm on your side. I'm trying to give medicine so that your children don't become one of the casualties of the massive falling away from the faith of young people. You think, oh, it'll never happen to my child. Well, it's happening to about two-thirds of Catholic young people. And hear this. The majority of Catholic parents today, and especially the kind of parent that's listening to this broadcast, the good, orthodox, concerned, conservative Catholic parents, are following in the failed footsteps of the Old Testament Jews who were continually wandering away from faithfulness to God. What? Yes. You see, trying to love God and teaching your children to love God by doing things empowered by your own steam will in some way make God happy 
is a guaranteed recipe for failure. It's a guaranteed recipe for wandering away from God, even though you start with very pious intentions. And I issue a warning that trying to teach your children to love God with their own steam places them under a curse. And this isn't, I didn't come up with this. This is in the Bible. St. Paul, writing to the Catholic Christians in Galatia, in his epistle to the Galatians chapter 3 and verse 10, says, all who rely on the works of the law, in other words, all those relying on fulfilling the law by their own unaided efforts, are under a curse. Now, it is evident that no man is justified before God by the law. Now, parents, if we don't get this one right, and we encourage our children to be pious little trains that could, trying to get up that big hill on our own steam, you could be making your child's propensity to sin considerably worse. You haven't heard this, have you, lately? And this is why I have a huge concern here. St. Paul, writing to the first Roman Catholics at the Church of Rome in his epistle, Romans 7 and verse 5, says, While we were living in the flesh, our sinful passions, aroused by the law, were at work in our members to bear fruit for death. You see, trying to fulfill the Shema, which is the main thing, to love God, that's a good and noble thing, and you should be encouraging your children to love God with everything within them. But trying to do that by your own unaided efforts, it says the sinful passions become aroused by the law And Paul goes on to say in Romans 7, you end up going and doing the very opposite of the things that God is teaching in the law. It's like this horrible boomerang. You throw it one way and it comes at you and knocks you silly. In Galatians 5, St. Paul says the works of the flesh, in other words, trying to be a good, religious, pious person on your own steam, results in fornication, impurity, licentiousness, drunkenness, and every other vice you can just about conceive of. But he says, but now we're discharged from the law, dead to that which held us captive. You see, pious religious effort, apart from God's strength, brings us into captivity to sin. But he says, we no longer serve under the old written code, but in the new life of the Spirit. Now, you can lose the fire of the Holy Spirit several ways. Uh, One, serious sins, obviously, have a way of cooling the Spirit's flame. St. Paul talks about quenching the Holy Spirit. For some reason, uh, people like to either resist or teach against or oppose the Holy Spirit, as crazy as it may seem. Many Catholics, as they get older, substitute alcohol and drugs for the joy of the Holy Spirit. 
Uh, I'm not a teetotaler. I enjoy a glass of wine, so I'm, I'm not saying, you know, alcohol is evil. But when you get older, many people have not discovered the true depth of joy and meaning of human existence that comes from the Holy Spirit, and they try very hard to fill that with alcohol, and it really doesn't work. But the main way that I see that many Catholics lose the fire of the Holy Spirit is that it simply grows dim through something as simple as neglect and ignorance. Let's take parenting advice, Catholic parenting advice. Do this, do that. Don't do that and do more of this with hardly a mention of the Holy Spirit. Now, I've known all the years that I've given parenting advice how important the Holy Spirit is, but, you know, I have to say I think I've been guilty of this neglect of emphasizing for Catholic parents the incredible role of the Holy Spirit because it's one thing to have the main thing, the main thing, have your ultimate goal of parenting to love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, But if you don't have a means of achieving that goal, that if somehow through simple neglect of not emphasizing properly the necessity of the Holy Spirit to accomplish that, well, the fire grows dim. And you try hard, and you try sincerely, and you know, it can quite dramatically backfire. And I am struck that when you think of the literature and all the advice for Catholic parents on how little is said of the Holy Spirit, and if that's the main way to energize our ultimate goal of parenting, that's a serious neglect. And here's another neglect. Uh, I emphasized this last time together, but that's in uh, Catholic chastity talks and Catholic chastity books. Do this, Don't do this, do that, and barely a mention of the absolute and utter necessity of the Holy Spirit to lead a chaste Christian life. To lead a chaste Christian life, you need the life of God, and Christ gives that through the Holy Spirit. And telling people do this and don't do that and do more of this and less of that, but the simple neglect to emphasize the Holy Spirit, it's back to following the Old Testament way of having the right goal, but not having the means to achieve it. And because of this, God brought forth a new covenant. You have the Old Covenant in the Old Testament. You have the New Covenant in the New Testament. The New Covenant has power to love God from deep within. It's not trying to have a love for God that starts with the outside, and I do things on the outside on the basis of my own steam. But the prophet Ezekiel got right to the heart, the very heart of what is needed to love God, our ultimate goal. Ezekiel 36, verses 26 and 27, God speaking, a new heart I will give you, and a new spirit I will put within you, and I will take out 
of your flesh the heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. There's a kind of spiritual open heart surgery God says he's going to do. Because there's nothing wrong with the law. The law is holy, just, and good to love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. The only problem, there's, there's a problem inside people. And he says, I will put my spirit within you. When the Holy Spirit comes within you, I will cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to observe my ordinances. You see, it's through the power of the Holy Spirit we're able to love God. It's the secret to motivating, energizing, and empowering the human heart to love God. You can try to love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, with whatever efforts you can have in and of yourself. But the Holy Spirit is the key to keeping the Shema. The Holy Spirit is the key for both us as parents and our children to be empowered to love God. And apart from this, things could actually get worse instead of better. And Jesus warned in Matthew 24, his kind of end times teaching, and because wickedness is multiplied, most men's love will grow cold. Now, for love to grow cold, it means it had to have been there. And yet, it seems that we're headed to a cultural deep freeze here in the United States. Wickedness is multiplying. And what will be the result? Most men's love will grow cold. A majority's love for Christ will grow cold. And so what's the answer? How do you keep love for God burning in the human heart? You ask with a prayer like, Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and enkindle in them the fire of your love. You see, the ultimate goal of child training is loving God with all your heart, soul, and mind. But equally important with that ultimate goal is the means of achieving it, the Holy Spirit. I suggest you write those two things down and pray, asking for God's assistance to keep the main thing, the main thing in the formation of your children. You've been listening to Faith and Family, episode 19. Until next time, this is Steve Wood, and you can find us on the web at familylifecenter.net. Faith and Family is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. Visit us online at familylifecenter.net. To order a CD copy of today's broadcast, order online at www.familylifecenter.net.